welcome to another episode of Intention is Everything, Quarantine Edition. I am Karen Frazier, and with me, as always, my co-host, Cheryl Knight-Wilson. How are you holding up in the Tennessee quarantine, Cheryl? We're doing really good here, just um, hanging in there. You know, we stay home as it is a lot because, you know, we work from home, but yeah. it's actually kind of starting to drive me a little stir-crazy having to be extra quarantined. So I can imagine how frustrating it is for people not used to it, you know? Yeah, we've been four weeks here now because Washington was kind of the epicenter of the whole thing. Um, so it's, it's four weeks that we've been in the house and, you know, it comes and goes. I have really great days. And then I have a few minutes where, you know, Things aren't so great. Like when my computer crashed last week, our guest, oh. Randy, who's with us, was actually going to come. We were going to record this last Friday. And Thursday, my computer, which is, of course, my entire link to the world and how I do my job and everything else, right? Yeah. It just died. And it was only a year old. And it just... and Well, what happened? I don't know. We still don't know. Oh. Um, we're going to have to get it up to the max store. So, But here's what I want you to know. Do you know how hard it is to find somebody who can deliver a computer within 24 hours during a pandemic? I can imagine. Very difficult. Yeah, but they did it. They got it to me. With it. it was Apple. They got me oh. a new one within 24 hours. And yeah, we'll just get the other one fixed, whatever's wrong with it. And it'll all be good. It all happens for a reason because here's what I discovered. So for that 24 hours between computers, I was completely unplugged other than to send you an email and say, you know, see ya. And like send my boss an email and stuff. And yep. it was actually lovely. I was unplugged. I didn't read the news. I sat in the yard with the dogs and the sunshine. Wow. And, you know, I had been saying earlier that, that one of the difficulties of working from home, um, which I've done just like you for many years, is that you can never leave your job, right? Right. Your job is always there. People can always get a hold of you. And I had been saying that, and I'm pretty sure I made my computer die by saying that too much. See, Karen, it's all about intention. See there intention what you did? is everything. Mm -hmm. All right. So I want to get to our guest because even though we could go on for hours and make it all about me, let's not. <laughs> so let's get to our lovely guest. How's that? All right. So our guest this evening, this afternoon, it's kind of, it's afternoon here. It's evening there. It's Chad's birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, Chad. Happy birthday, Chad, my um, husband. Anyway, so... Randy Holm is our guest, and he is a Reiki master, so a man after my own heart. I apologize, guys. I'm downstairs because of the internet connection, so there will be dogs barking and husbands making noise, probably. Anyway, he's also a registered yoga teacher, a licensed massage therapist. He started his journey in life as a submariner in the Navy, a radio officer in the Army National Guard and Army Reserve, and he retired as a reactor operator at a commercial nuclear power plant. And I was telling Randy off the air, I speak nuke because my husband is also in the power industry and is a former Navy nuke as well. So he changed his life from working with machines to helping people by means of Reiki, yoga, and massage therapy. The coronavirus paused his work with the human touch. He is now working on reaching out to others to help manage stress and anxiety with the human voice. So, Randy, thank you for coming on the show. We're excited to have you. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. So 
I guess my very first question for you, because I'm always super curious about this, is how did you go? So I, I get nukes, right? Because I'm married to a, a former nuke and he is very, everything is very precise and very, I mean, you follow pro- protocols and procedures and, and all of those things. And it's a very linear way of, of thinking in a lot of ways. So how did you make the move from what is really a very heavy science field to the more woo-woo stuff that you do now? I really don't think it was anything I did or any real intention of mine to change. Well, I did change losing weight and all that, and it became more active. And mm-hmm. everything just, maybe the universe is speaking to me or something, I do not know. But it became real sensitive to people reaching out, getting out of my comfort box, uh, and I've never been a people person, never. And I started, uh, my wife, she says, well, you don't like to talk, so why don't you become a massage therapist? I said, okay, I'll try it and see how that goes. And um, I worked my way through massage therapy school. And when I started um, working with clients and all that, and something happened, I think. I mean, I just realized... Sometimes I would see light or something or just feel something very different. Rather like connecting with people. And that just kind of grew on me. And I started looking to Reiki, practicing Reiki. And um, started teaching, going to yoga school and became a teacher. As things started changing, just little things at a time and still changing now even. Like like this, I would never, ever thought of talking to people on a podcast, never. So this is, I'm out of my comfort zone, but it's something I felt I was led towards. Cool. So this is your, this is your first podcast? Yes, it is. Well, we'll, well be as well, nice as we can. <laughs> well, I've had interviews with other people, but my first real, 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 real podcasters, yes. <laughs> Well, that's cool. We're we're happy that you decided to come on with us. Um, well, because you. like I say, all of the things you do, I really dig. So cool. So Cheryl, do you have a question? Because I know that otherwise I jump all over your questions all the time. So I can sit quietly for a few minutes. Hey, it's all good. But I do have a question I'm just dying to ask. Okay. It's a really, really important question. Randy, what is the correct way to pronounce this word? Is it Submariner or submariner? Submariner. Oh, thank <laughs> I you. I pronounced it. I said submariner when I read it, right? You did. You did. It but is. you know what? I was researching it beforehand, and people are both. They go both ways. It's like I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> really, I feel like if I had have said it wrong, because Jim is actually in the room with me right now. I feel like me. if I had have said it wrong, we would have heard about it. Well, there we go. Okay. <laughs> you both, yep, you got it. Thank you for the clar- clarifying that. So, Randy, I just have a question about, so it wasn't like one or two things that that led you to make this change. It sounds like it was just almost like it, it was something that you, um, kind of like a path that you were put on, uh, not by accident, that's not what I want to say, but it wasn't it wasn't clear to you until you started doing it. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Cause I'm always curious about what leads people 
to their, you know, to their journey and how they get there. And so I think it's really interesting, as Karen said, that, you know, your, your background was so technical and, you know, machine related, and then you've, you've completely kind of gone the other way. And, and so I'm wondering, is there anything, any experiences that you've taken from your time in the military and, and doing the, um, the uh, nuclear uh, power plant work that you have taken with you into what you're doing now? No, not at all. <laughs> no. Nope. That's honest. Yes. <laughs> so how have you adjusted? How do you how do you how did you make that adjustment successfully being so foreign to you? Making a lot of mistakes and just not really caring if I do make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I I used to live by rules and all that and having to do things exactly right. And now I, if I don't try, oh well. I mean as as Right. Breaking outside those boundaries and rules and all that and trying being free to try something new. Yeah, I I hear you because when I try new things, I'm at least over the course of my life, I've always been very, I've got to do it right. I can't make mistakes. But I've come to learn, it took me a long time to learn that actually it's almost a good thing for you to to learn through trial and not you can't be perfect. It's just, it's, it's just not going to happen if you're new to something. And so you learn by doing. So that's, that's what you're saying, right? Is that, that that's is, how you, yes. okay. Yep. Okay. Which is very different from the, from, I mean, from the military way. And definitely I would think for your nuclear training, you, you don't get, there's just not a lot of margin for error there. No, you're exactly right. Yeah, for I, sure. I couldn't live like that anymore. It's, uh, maybe it's growing or something. I don't know. It's. I grew past that, and yeah, well, I think and that allowed myself to change. I think that that's. I think that that's a lot of it. I mean, I think that's all of it. It's it's allowing and following and listening. And it sounds like that's what you did. Is that you realized that you wanted to go in a different direction? Although I have to say, you said something that I thought was really funny. You said. Um, you said, well, my, I don't really, I didn't really like to talk to people. So my wife said I should try massage therapy. And I don't know. I think my massage therapist, um, you know, I feel like massage therapy is like being a hairdresser or a bartender as far as people talking to you. Don't <laughs> people talk a lot on your table? And some, no, some do. But if they ask a question, I'll respond. But if they say, make a statement or some looking to engage with the conversation, I, I won't okay ah. with engaging with the conversation. So you're really in the, you're very much in the moment in the energy work that you're doing then. Yes. And that's where I found out, or still finding out, massage therapy and energy work are closely related, very much so. Oh, I think so, for sure. I mean, so like in Washington State, and I don't know how it is where you live, but in Washington State, Reiki practitioners either have to have a license to touch, which is a massage therapy license, or um, um, if they want to do hands-on work, they can also do it by being an ordained minister um, as part of their ministerial practice. So, so yeah, they're very closely related. So when people come to you, do people typically come to you for one or the other or both, or how does that work? Both, actually. One or the other or both. Um, some people say, hey, we just throw in some energy work while you're doing the massage. And I'll say, of course, you know, 
And um, then some people just, well, I, I like to blend massage therapy with raking a lot. I think it's important. The way I perceive it is helping a person get into a state where they're relaxed and they're just open to receiving light and love energy. And I can see that in the person's breathing. When the breathing really slows down, I know that the, they're open to receiving healing energy, love and light from a higher self, from a higher being. So both. Cool. And with the yoga, now to be a yoga instructor, is it 350 hours? There's a 200 and there's a 500, I think is what it is. Okay. 200 hours. I did 200 hours. So that takes a lot of dedication then to, to do all of that, to take that long of a 200 hours is, is quite a bit of how long did it take you to become a yoga teacher then? It was six months. Oh, that's not bad. And uh, so explain to me then, so I like yoga. Um, I haven't done it in a while, but I've always liked the benefits of it. And I think a lot of people think of yoga as stretching. So explain what the intention of yoga is. That is exactly it, intention. I, I set it up, uh, setting intention before each class. And I tell the students, it's the intention for this class is to de-stress and relax. And uh, was that your question? I mean. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, and so, so that's what your intention is. But like, so a lot of people do think of yoga as, as stretching, but I know that there's all sorts of different kinds of yoga and they all sort of have different intentions. So like when I do yoga, for instance, um, for me, it's just a way to be, it's for me, it's meditative because I'm not a good non-movement meditator. I'm not a good sitting down and, and closing my eyes meditator, never have been, probably never will be. So, so I guess what I was asking is what kind of intentions do people come to yoga with and what can yoga do for people? Uh, well, stretching does have a lot of part to do with it and moving and breathing and just some activity. I have a, I don't get too extreme as far as the yoga and the postures and all that. My focus is breathing, moving with the breathing and helping them just to be in that moment being aware of their body, the muscles in their body, and the changes that the yoga practice can make for their muscles in their body. Awareness. That's a big part of it. So breathing, moving, aware of your body. That makes so, sense. Yeah, totally. I have never done yoga. And so what would a beginner expect to have happen and you know let's say you know they show up for their first class what is it like what's it going to be like for the beginner my class is very gentle and it's more hatha style meaning to hold the poses for a few breaths about a minute minute and a half mm -hmm. and uh 
what I, the feedback I get from students is they feel refreshed, relaxed, and it really helps as far as uh, functionality throughout the day as far as moving around. That's feedback I get from the students. Okay. So it can be more functional, I think, is one technical means of putting a, of a benefit of yoga that I practice. Yoga is really, really vast. There are so many different aspects and schools of thought about it. I don't try to focus on all of it. I just, my little mind is just going to focus on this little piece that I've studied and stay right there for right now. So you would say that the, the, the biggest benefits out of doing yoga would be, um, well, tell us, what would be the biggest benefits? Calming. Mm-hmm. That's good. Relaxing. <laughs> yeah, okay. for sure. I used to take the uh, restorative yoga classes, which it sounds similar to what you uh, do. And they were the best. They just, you know, where you would hold that pose for a long time and you they would be supported poses if you had problems with you know, reaching your toes or whatever it was. And yeah, I would walk out of those restorative yoga classes feeling so chill. But the goal for me is going beyond the body part and functionality and all that. Get to the mind. And you talked about a little bit of meditation. It's, it's meditation is hard, really hard trying to still the mind and not think of anything. Mm-hmm. That's, I include all that that in all of my classes, trying to still the mind. It's so hard. So what do you tell people to help them understand stilling the mind? I tell them if they can't let loose of a thought or an anxiety, to bring their awareness back to your breathing. And that really just helps center everything and just puts you in the moment, really focusing on your breathing, feeling the air past your nostrils as you breathe in, past your lips as you exhale, visualizing the air coming all the way into your belly, filling up your belly up to your chest and letting everything go. Exhaling is just as important, letting everything go that you do not need. It's really focusing on that, being aware of that. that let's loose very those little attachments of thoughts, anxieties flutter away. One of the things I was surprised about when I first started doing yoga was that I was breathing wrong, that there's actually a right way to breathe and I wasn't doing it. <laughs> so do you teach a particular way to breathe? Because I, that's one of the benefits I got from yoga is that I actually learned how to breathe. Yes. I do. I don't say say it's right or wrong, but I encourage them to breathe in a particular way, yes. And that's filling up the belly up to the chest. And inhaling for a count of four, we practice this a lot. Inhale for a count of four, exhale for a count of eight. And I include that in all the movements also. So there's a better way of breathing, yes. I wouldn't say right or wrong. I don't believe in perfection. Well, I mean, it was working. I was still alive. Yeah. <laughs> but but I definitely discovered that there was a, a way to breathe that 
correct, that was more effective and, and more helpful and more centering and more calming for sure. And it is. And there's uh, Western science literature that supports that about inhaling for a certain amount of time. I think they say five counts, exhaling for 10 counts uh, helps improve endurance. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I'll have to look into that. So um, I want to talk about, unless Cheryl, did you have any more yoga questions before we move into the sound? Because you know I want to talk about the sound. Um, I don't. Please continue. All right. So I noticed in your bio that it said, because right now I'm assuming that where you are, you are also social distancing and massage therapy is not considered a, a necessary, what are they calling it? An essential, essential. An essential service. So you're having to work with people in a different way. And so the way that you're doing that is through, through vocalization? Yes, just talking, just like we are right now. Establishing a relationship with people and helping them reach that state that I see all the time, massage therapy and yoga too, what I was talking about, I can tell by their breathing that they're at that state, they're relaxed, the parasympathetic system, nervous system is kicked in and they're open to receiving healing energy. That's, and the voice, I think, is a means to getting to that point. Okay. So can you explain that a little more deeply, how the voice then becomes a means of doing that? Yes. Guided meditation. Ah. Guided imagery. It's one means of doing it. Okay. Sure. And then vocalization and talking with people also just as a distraction and getting away from social media. I don't want to use social media because social media in itself is a mean, is an anxiety engine. You get on there, sure, you can watch a live video or something, but something else is going on. It's going to distract you. It distracts myself. And, and there's just things on there all the time that just creates anxiety and increases negative stress. So I was thinking I'd just use this as a means for guided meditation, guided imagery, and also as means to take people an avenue to get away from social media to talk to local leaders, see how they're dealing with stress. And this may, may not be effective, but or good at taking people, helping people get away from social media, but you can try. It goes back to stepping out of my box and trying something different. Yeah, um, I think that's that's a really great thing because, I mean, I know I get so addicted to social media. <laughs> you know, it's it's just. just you know, I try and take a break from it. And then, and then all of a sudden I'm back to it. You know, there's, it's just really hard to pull yourself away from it. It, it's, it is. It, yeah. It becomes so addictive. So, so what can somebody like me do? Uh, you're helping people um, to really use energy and healing techniques and intention. So what can people do who feel like they just, you know, people who work on the computer anyway, and then there's this, you know, Facebook or social Twitter, or whatever is right there. What can we do to really not feel compelled to be drawn back into the whole cycle of, <laughs> of just, you know, too much, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think it's just becoming aware of what you're doing and being aware of the stresses that you can feel when you pick up the scroll through Facebook and see a meme says, that's not right. And mm -hmm. then body kicks in, creates a little stress, 
just being aware of what's happening, you know, look at it, close the laptop, put the phone down for a little bit. I do it all the time too. I go back to Facebook, try to check in. That's my excuse. Then mm-hmm. I realize, really become aware, feeling myself, being aware of myself, feeling what's happening when I look at this. My eyes see this okay. meme or see this comment. And I, I really t- feel myself, I can feel my energy changing, get a little bit stressful. It's really micro changes, but it's something. And I say, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to put this down, go and do something else. So it goes back to awareness, I think, of ourself. Yeah, I think that's a great point because I, I don't want to make social media out to be all bad because I don't think so. I actually love the part of it where you connect with people in a positive way. And I think that there's some good to it. But then what you just said about you see something and all of a sudden your anxiety level shoots up or your stress or even your anger or whatever it is, because there's something that you see that really gets a, you know, generates a negative response. So it's all about how do you deal with that in the moment? I think it's tough. I know it's tough for me sometimes to, and even though I, I try and keep it in the back of my mind, not to let things get to me because it just, it's not helpful. <laughs> but then in the moment, it's often hard to do that. So in the moment, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that what you're saying is, is really good because if you can just say, you know, take a step back in the moment and calm maybe turn it off, you know, you know, go on to, to something else, you know, maybe even do, you know, uh, f- take a few seconds to do some breathing or, you know, whatever. I feel myself doing that more these days, you exactly. know, to try and, yeah, try and calm myself down a few breathe, you know, deep breaths in and then slowly out. <laughs> so yeah, I'm definitely doing that a bit more. Um, but I think that these things can really affect you on even not only a day-to-day basis, but even an hour-to-hour basis, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's noise. I mean, yeah. social, social media, you're right. There's good things about it. Heck, we broadcast our show on social media. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're not going to be put in Facebook jail by saying terrible things about it. But it's noise. It's a distraction. Yeah. It's how we distract ourselves. Um, And I think right now people are turning to it even more for distraction and it's winding people up. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And, and so it's so easy for me to say, Hey, step away from the computer. But what was I talking about at the top of the show? What did I have to do to actually get me to step away? I mean, it didn't help that I had a book deadline. And I had to meet, which is why it was on my computer. But, you know, but how do you, it's easy to say, step away from the computer. How do you do it? How do you convince somebody that to do it? It's like meditation. It's hard to stop your mind. It's just practice. Little steps. Um. I don't think there's one solid answer. We're all different. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, but I, I think it's something we really need to seriously do practice more consistently because even during these times, we're isolated, social anxiety is rising, and 
we're, we broke that relationship with it to our community, that face-to-face relationship with our community. And I think that's creating additional stress. So I think oh. we just need to be aware and be in a moment and realize what's happening to us. Yeah, I think so too. You know, one of the things that I see a lot, and I actually did it in the beginning too, was like when we first, when this first really started to, we started to realize, hey, this is serious. This is a real thing. Um, I sort of threw myself into, I'm going to take these classes and I'm going to clean my closets and I'm going to, and, and I created such this mountain of nonsense just to kind of hide myself from the cognitive dissonance of, you know, that, that this is happening now, because we've, we've heard for years, there's a pandemic coming, right? And it was always going to happen to somebody else in some other place, often some distant future that we're not part of. Mm -hmm. And so it creates this cognitive dissonance. So, and I'm still seeing that I'm seeing people, um, and mostly on social media, because that's where I see people now, right? But I'm seeing people who are just burying themselves in piles of busyness. So do you think that that's beneficial or do you think that that's um, detrimental? I think it's, that's a tough question. Because it's keeping people busy but you said nonsense i i was surprised by your word nonsense well for me i mean a lot of the stuff that i was choosing was nonsense i you know my husband and i watched um bachelor pad for a, you know several <laughs> days just because what else were we going to do so yeah nonsense probably isn't a terribly compassionate word what i meant was just piles of busyness where it was keeping me from being present I think it's my own personal thoughts is that it's not healthy for our community because we're isolating ourselves in in nonsense and distractions and all that. And how are we contributing to our, are we contributing to community? Somewhere are, yes, we are, you are definitely. And, um, but silly, they're funny, sure. TikToks and, and um, short little films and all that. But is it really contributing towards, I don't know, maybe it is. I don't know. I've, that's a tough question. I have to ponder on that question. I don't think there's a right answer, um, which is why it is a tough question. But yeah, I mean, look, I also try to amuse people. I make silly, stupid jokes and <laughs> you know, and I share silly little comments or um, I, I still am not quite sure what a TikTok is. I understand it's a short video. I have no idea how they're made or what their purpose is. But but yeah, I um, I should probably learn what a TikTok is but, since it's a thing now. <laughs> but, but this is good. Uh, the question actually kind of guides me into another part of change. And the, maybe that's part of why it's so difficult for me to verbalize how I feel is um, I'm not really using reasoning process to figure things out anymore, but more intuition and gut feeling. And I don't really try to go with my gut and intuition a lot. I just have a bad feeling about 
what you said. To me, it seems bad. And my gut tells me that, my intuition. My brain, my process, reasoning processes, thinks it's going to work its way out of that, being a bad and being good. So that, that's why it's difficult. I mean, uh, going from reasoning to intuition, it's part of why it's difficult to verbalize that. So how, have, how do you deal with that now? How do you, how do you allow yourself to listen to your intuition as opposed to your mind? It's actually pretty easy, I think. Okay. I put the thinking mind aside and say, it says, well, that's cost too much or, well, not cost too much, but you're wasting money doing that or, you know, you spent 20 bucks on that. Why are you throwing it away? It says, my guess says, I don't need it. I don't want this. Just do it. Mm-hmm. How can people contribute right now? Again, another tough question. I think we, we're all isolated. We're not moving about. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just it's, like I said, there's just something I feel like that's we're missing as a community. But I, I'm not quite sure what. Okay, yeah. And uh, it, I think it comes down to relationships in the means of how we relate with one another. The face-to-face communication, the, there's a, a lot in face-to-face communication. Sure, you can do video chats and all that, but there's something else we're breaking with social distancing yeah. that's going on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that nothing can replace the one-on-one or group uh, interaction, it, you know? and it may it may be an energy thing, maybe an energy field that we don't see, but that may be that we've disconnected with. Mm-hmm. Because I know, to me, that the touch—that's what really got me going—was physical touch. The energy's there. I, I I thought I saw it, and I really do. I think I saw it. So there's a closeness and how far that is away from each person. I don't know, but maybe we broke the community spiritual bond. We all had being apart like we are right now. Maybe that's part of it. I I think, I think that what you're talking about is being in one another's energetic space and being within one another's auric field. And, you know, I can look at it from the standpoint of being a mom. So I have an adult son. He's in his 20s. He lives on the other side of the state. Um, And we text or talk almost every day, but I still want to see him and be in his space. So, yeah, there is something there that's missing because, and, you know, we FaceTimed. We had family game night the other night on Zoom and played games with my entire family, but there's still something about being in that, in, in someone else's energetic space that is different. I want to see and be with my family and friends. Yes. And there, is there's a, a community level type feeling with, I'm just guessing here. Cause like I said, it's just a feeling I have that we're missing by being separated, like breaking the 
biofields, the aural field, you called it, on a community level. I think that's true. I wonder if that's why people who are, uh, a lot of people who are in churches are still really wanting to gather, um, even though they have social distancing orders in place in the states that the churches are. I wonder if, if that that's why that gathering together is, is so important to them that they're willing to risk their health to do it. Yes, maybe we have a hunger for it. Yes, absolutely. I think that's fair. I mean, I think humans have a hunger to connect to other humans because, yeah, because otherwise we just get so absorbed in I and me and the ego of everything. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I wonder if that's, I, is, is, is that maybe what you're trying to articulate is that when we can't be in someone else's space, we just sort of pull back into our solar plexus and become stuck in the I-ness again and, I don't know. I, I think I think you I think that's one aspect of it definitely. Yes. Definitely. And we can't elevate to those higher levels. Or okay. we can, but it's difficult. So we need each other. Yes. We need community. Yes. Do you think that people are starting to really recognize that? Maybe we are, but we just don't recognize it. And, and then again, I'm just going by gut feeling with it. Yeah. Feeling here. So yeah. may, that, that may be it, yes. But at the same time, there's this, this idea right now that we have a social contract. And the social contract is, is that we all need to stay home because we don't want to, because we want to protect essentially the weakest among us, the people that could be really affected and die from from this illness if they come in contact with it so i'm not staying home out of fear for myself i'm staying home well because my state says i should but also i mean i'm staying home out of the social contract i don't want to go out there and god forbid i actually carried it and you know gave it to my mom or something or to even to somebody else's mom Mm -hmm. yes and how do we bridge that gap to between all the individuals in this community while we're like this without using algorithms and social media deciding how we talk as a community we need to kind of remove as many barriers as we can to connect does that make sense it does so then one of the ways you're doing that is you're doing guided meditation and communication with people yes and that's why i think the voice is a better means of doing that because it's, it's direct. It doesn't, like I said, go through some algorithm, say, hey, no, you're going to see this first or you're going to uh, see this ad first and distract you. And I think the voice is very direct, more direct than other means we have right now. So how can Reiki, because I know Reiki can be done long distance, probably not the preferred method, but can people take advantage of Reiki long distance? Like, are you doing, are you offering a service right now, long distance Reiki or, or would you recommend that to people at this point in time? Yes. And I do. I really don't like calling it a a service, but if somebody asks 
for some energy and all that, yes. Okay. I'll direct energy that way best I can or best we can. Uh, but that kind of sort of brings me to a question I had uh, for Karen. Do okay. you need permission? Do you think you need permission to send Reiki or open up that channel for Reiki flowing? I do. Um, but in my classes, I teach that if you, so you, first of all, I think you can get that permission energetically. Um, for instance, I teach a Reiki, Reiki for animals classes, and I can't go up to the rabid raccoon in my backyard and say, hey, dude, can I put my hands on you? Um, but I can certainly feel if there's pushback energetically. Um, but with people, I think that you should have permission, but you can also send Reiki and intend for it to go to the person if there is permission or to where it serves the greatest good otherwise. So that's how I teach it in my classes. What do you think? And that's what I was taught. And that's what really, really, really baffled me in my massage therapy practice, because I know I saw a couple of times light or felt something during a, a session. And some people have even said they saw, I know it sounds crazy, but I didn't say anything, nothing. But uh, one of the clients saw a light come down and went to exactly where it was, her ailment was, her foot. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's why I said, I really question that if we need permission for Reiki to flow. Then I read somewhere else in another book uh, where Sensei Usui said, no, you do not need permission. I, that kind of opened things me up, up for me saying, okay, during a massage session, the Reiki can flow. So I, to me, I, I take a different stand on that now, the way I look at it. No, I think we're saying the same thing. Um, okay. And let me tell you why. So what I think it's a semantic difference. So when you say permission, essentially what we're talking about is verbalized permission. I give you permission to give me Reiki. Right. So there are times when Reiki flows. And if you're working with somebody and the Reiki flows to them and they haven't asked for it, they're drawing it in. Their spirit, their body is allowing that to come in. So that is permission. So when I said you get that energetic permission, that's okay. what I meant by that. So do you see that I think we're saying the same thing? I am just was talking about specific verbalized permission versus um, there is energetic permission. You know, I have my... I have two dogs. I used to have four. Um, and two of my dogs were always who I just automatically give permission for Reiki because when they see me giving Reiki, they make a beeline for me and would wiggle under my hands. And the other two dogs just didn't want anything to do with it. And, and so to me, I took that as they did not give me permission. They did not want that Reiki. If they wanted that Reiki, that Reiki would flow to them. If their spirit wanted that Reiki, that Reiki would flow to them. Like I give my plants Reiki. My plants can't say to me, hey, Karen, can you give me some Reiki? Um, I give my car Reiki. My car can't ask for Reiki or give me permission. But anything that allows that energy to be drawn into itself is giving you permission because otherwise they wouldn't be allowing the energy to be drawn in. Make sense? Yes, it does. 
Yeah. So I have a question real quick before you, before you move on. Okay. So, so I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do Reiki, but I do a personal Well, somebody exercise. has offered to teach you Reiki many, yes, many times, but I, go on. You are going to at some point, please. Okay. <laughs> I do a little personal exercise where I send out positive energy that is, um, you know, I, I put intention into it of all these good things. And then I send it out to friends and family, et cetera. Now, I don't ask their permission in any way. I don't sense their energy if they want it or not. I just do it because I figure it's totally positive. Is that a bad? Is that at all a bad thing? And I'm sorry to just break in here, but I'm curious about that. I don't think so. No, okay. not at all. It is. No, it's the same. Don't you think, Randy? It's it's just a different way of praying for somebody in a way. Yes. I, yeah, it's just oh. a different way of and, for somebody. And exactly yes. is. You said if we start this whole thing is intention. The intention is there to help and heal and send positive energy. Yeah. And they don't have to, they don't have to receive that. Um, so what I teach is that that you cannot force energy on someone who is not open to receiving it. Mm-hmm. Yes. That makes sense. Okay. Oh, yes. Yes. I, I've seen that. In massage therapy practice also, and and I'm sure it's ener- on an energetic level also. They just block themselves to feeling better or wanting that healing touch or energy to flow. I, I think there. I don't think you can separate the two. Really, don't. I don't either. But you know, the thing is, is if you ask those people who are blocking it, and I know exactly what you mean because I I know people who do that, who block the energy, who push the energy away because they're stuck in whatever their patterns are of belief about themselves. And that belief about themselves might be, I'm sick and I'm going to stay sick. And yes. that's, that's, it's that belief that's blocking the energy. Um, but if you ask that person, do you want to heal? What will they tell you? Usually the answer is, yeah. I want to heal. So a lot of people I find, and maybe this is different from you, Randy, in your own practice, but in my practice, what I find is a lot of people are unaware of their unwillingness to heal because as long as they have whatever it is that ails them and they're getting something from that, it's delivering something to them that they think they need, they're not going to be open to healing. I I agree. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you touched on something else about uh, the belief system also is part in their uh, traditions or the way they grew up is or their environment, their relationships with others is all part of keeping them from blocking that uh, healing energy or open to relaxing and uh, receiving some benefit of the human touch. Yeah, well, and I think everybody, I think everybody needs human touch. And my, the other thing that I teach my students is that people who come to them for hands-on work, for some of those people, that is the only loving touch or kind touch that they receive in their lives is when they come to somebody like you. That's sad. 
but I think it's true. And touch is so important in human connection and touches. It's everything. I, I agree. It is. It really is. The hug can do so much more than many medicines. I know. That's why I want to see my son is because I just really like to give him a hug. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah one of these days. He actually said, you know, I, I, we were thinking about driving over and I said, you can't, honey, you can't right now. You just, we'll see you when this is over. Yeah. <laughs> I told my son he couldn't come see me. <laughs> that has never happened in the history of the world. <sighs> in my right, life. right. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question. So Randy, you started a podcast called Yoga with Randy recently. Yes. Um, to, you know, connect with people during this, this crisis. And I was just wondering, how's that going so far? I mean, I'm having a lot of fun uh, doing it. And uh, people are uh, listening it or downloading or streaming it. Not many, but some people are, and they, they find it very helpful. So they, they do want more. Where can people That's find great. it? You know what? <laughs> it's embarrassing, but uh, I just broadcast to put it on my page on Facebook. I, I don't even know the link on how to get to it. I just I know it's on Spotify and Apple. Okay. Learn how to connect it to those sources. But Yoga with Randy is all it's called. Okay, we'll see if oh, we good. can find it and put it in the show notes because it sounds yeah. like it's something that people can can really benefit from. So and I started another one as far as another avenue for people to let go of some stress and all that. I call it let it go with Randy. It's, I'm experimenting with, I'll talk with local uh, well, politician here a little bit and uh, another Reiki master locally here, just and a person that works with the homeless, connecting to interviewing people locally and just just uh, trying to open up means of communication and other people can listen in on and try to just let go of some stress or just a distraction away from the social media. I love what you're doing to rise to the occasion though. I mean, it sounds like you have listened to the call and responded to what the current energy is and you're doing what you can to make your community a better place. Thank you. Yeah. Um, So one of the last things that we ask people on our podcast is about intentional practices. Can you share with us um, one or two intentional practices that you engage in? I I just started everything that I do now with setting, having an internal conversation with myself about the intention of what I am I hate using the word I, but what I intend to do with this session, class, that's the very first thing I do. I visualize what I'm going to do. I wipe all the stray energies off my body, chakras and all that, trying to balance myself. And with that intention, I begin to practice. That's a simple answer, but that's but all I have to offer. Yeah, but that's super powerful. You know, that's, 
Intention is actually incredibly simple. That's one of the things that we're trying to get across on our podcast is that intention doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be grandiose. Um, you know, it's simple practices that anybody can do. Yes, it, is. it can be very powerful. Well, I have found it to be so. Occasionally I forget to act intentionally, but usually I circle back to it eventually. <laughs> and to me, it just puts myself in a moment, centers myself and grounds myself. It puts that seed of hope in my self to hopefully share with others. Well, it sounds like you're doing that and you're doing it well. So Randy, thank you so much for coming on the show. We will look up your podcast and get the link in the show notes. Um, and yeah, we really enjoyed talking to you and best of luck to you and all that you're doing. It sounds like you're, you're doing some really great work. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And it is my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's finish up with a little bit of business. So starting our next, so this podcast will be out on the 15th of um, whatever month this is. It's like April, January, April, May or something at this point. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, I think it's like the 127th of February right now. <laughs> <laughs> this will be out on close, close, close. to it. Yeah. So this will be out on April 15th. And then in, um, what days are we doing it with Chuck? It's next Friday. Is that right? This Friday, the 17th. Oh, yeah. Okay, so on the 17th, two days after, we're going to actually start doing something new, which is kind of fun. We've played around with it a little bit. Um, but we're going to be talking to our good friend, Chucky G, Chuck Godsky. Many of you remember Chuck as my former co-host on Paranormal Underground Radio. And he's doing some great stuff in his life as well. And we are excited to talk to him. But what we're going to do is we are going to do it Facebook Live video. So we have a new um, Facebook page, The Intention is Everything podcast. Please give us a follow if you want to see our live broadcasts. And then the actual podcast will still come out on the 1st and the 15th of the month. But um, but what was I going to say, Cheryl? Oh, but we, when we, whenever we have a guest who is willing to be on video and go live, we're going to go live as yep. we do it. So it will be all over the place. I would love to tell you that you can join us on the 2nd and the 4th from 5 to 6.30 p.m. or something. But no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> So keep your eyes peeled. Follow Intention is Everything podcast on Facebook, and that way you'll never miss a live broadcast. And that way you can also ask questions in the chat room or in the Facebook Live of our guest. And it actually, because I've I've been on this uh, format that we're moving to, it actually pops up on the screen at the time the question is asked on the screen that we see as we're broadcasting. So we can actually ask and answer questions. Exciting. It's so exciting. We're really excited about it. We're giving this a try. We'll see how it goes. Um, in the meantime, everybody stay well, uh, stay home, wear masks when you go out, wash your hands, you know, do all of those things and look for Randy's podcast. Randy, thank you so much for joining us and we will be back with you all soon. Bye everybody. Bye.